You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, also known as your Joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We go into the journey of their life, not just their most recent accomplishments, because I believe that so often we are chasing these feelings of being enough, worthy, successful, fulfilled. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I'll feel it. But really, it's something we can claim every single day. Sometimes we need to do it every moment of the day. On today's episode, I have John Kim, also known as the Angry Therapist. Uh, he has a new book out that just came out called Single on Purpose. Note, it is not single forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got into his journey. How did the Angry Therapist come about? and his books. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get to it. All right. So I like to know, first of all, what was life like for you growing up? And yep. then especially like around high school ages, because that's where mm. I start. We feel this pressure, right? Of like, what are we going to do with the rest of yeah. our lives? So where, what was your life like growing up? And then around that time, like, where did you imagine yourself? Did you feel any pressures of I should be doing this? Or did you have any like big dreams? Sure, absolutely. Um, I grew up in, in LA. Um, I was actually born in Korea, but came here when I was three. And um uh, my parents were always working. They were out, uh, you know, because they couldn't speak English well. Um, and so they were out. My dad was working at a phone company, pulling cable. My mom was working uh, uh, at a little hamburger shack, flipping burgers, making egg rolls. And so I always tell people I was raised by pop culture. Um, and, I, and I was raised where everyone was white. And to fit in, um, I had to do something. So for me, it was breakdancing <laughs> for me. It was the eighties uh, I was doing when I was in the first time. And, uh, when I started to break dance, I noticed that, um, the cool kids, uh, gave me acceptance. They let me in. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I loved doing it. I was a very kind of a physical, um, I, you know, into flow states and all that, but I wasn't a good student. Um, and so I found, um, acceptance through, uh, things like breakdancing, skateboarding, bikes and all that. Yeah. And do you feel like, I'm guessing you had like that brought you joy, but was it, did you feel mm -hmm. more of a push to do it because it's getting me attention and like, you know, or were you able to like find yeah. from those things and then, oh, bonus or like, was it sort of like a push pull of like, oh, people like when I do this, so I should do this more. Right. It was more of the bonus. It was more of um, I really love this. I don't like studying. Um, I, I think I had ADD. I couldn't concentrate. I was a kid in the classroom staring out the window the entire time. Um, but when I was doing something physical like prayer dancing it made me happy and then the bonus was uh then i was part of a crew i was accepted um no one judged me because i was uh you know I, my, my skin color was different so got it that's cool. yeah it was a win-win good and did you have like pressure from your parents were they like just happy that you were doing anything because i'm guessing yeah they're working hard to be able to right uh, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit, you know, the whole Asian stereotype of uh, study, get good grades, you know, become a doctor, lawyer thing that was there. Um, I remember my dad, uh, you know, throwing books at me, telling me that uh, we didn't come to America to spin on your head um, and, and just always reinforce studying. 
Um, and as much as I tried, it just wasn't for me. You know, I was always a C student and uh, I, I wasn't academically smart. I was more right brain, uh, you know, creative. And so, yeah, like getting to you're going to start graduating high school. What did you did? You, did you go to college? Were you always knowing or was that up from your parents? Like you will go to college. Did you know what you wanted to do? Was it just like, let me find a college? Yeah, it was parents. It was college. I also knew that um, I wasn't smart enough to get into um, any UC school. I didn't even apply. Um, so I ended up going to Cal State Northridge um, growing up in L.A. So I went to college in the Valley. Um, you mentioned high school. I had a really good high school experience. It was kind of um, reminding me of like the 50s uh, in Glendale. Is very like clean and, you know, football games and chasing girls. And it was very fun. It wasn't like, you know, gangs and drugs and all that. Um, and then college was really boring, you know, uh, Cal State Northridge is a commuter school. So, uh, just, I joined a frat for about a week and that got old and, um, it was just super boring. It was the earthquakes, uh, the, uh, was it 92, the Northridge quakes hit. Um, it, it was just a strange time. And did you, were you going to college because you like, what were you studying? Did you know what you wanted to be? Or was it just you graduate high school? Now you go to college. Right. Um, I went to, to college and I, I needed to get out fast. So I studied film. I mean, I genuinely loved movies and uh, I wanted You're to be a screenwriter. LA, so I'm in L.A. Right. Um, to make it happen. <laughs> Yeah. And it was easier to get a film degree with an emphasis in screenwriting than to study, um, I don't know what, business or uh, things that I had no interest in. Um, so I technically went to film school, I guess you would say, studied screenwriting. Um, and then afterwards, I, you know, I got a manager and I started writing screenplays. And I was really passionate about that. Got married. Uh, and then I, I feel like I kind of failed the screenwriting. Um, I, you know, I sold one or two things, but it wasn't, it's very feast or famine. And it wasn't enough for me to build a career off of. And was that when you were working as a screenwriter, did you make that be like your full-time job or did you have yeah. a job and then we're doing it on the side? No, I um, used to wake up and just uh, sit at a Starbucks for 12 hours a day, um, writing act breaks and uh, dialogue and, and hoping to uh, sell the million dollar screenplay because if I did, then that would equal happy. And so my stretch of that, like seven years made me miserable, you know, hence the, you know, the title of my, my, my second book, I used to be a miserable fuck, um, that it grayed me out. And I realized that uh, I wasn't living, I was just existing and also writing for the wrong reason. You know, I started off writing because I enjoyed it and it felt like me breakdancing or playing with Legos. And then I, I got married and I, and then I felt like if I don't sell screenplays, I'm going to be a bad husband. Um, so I, I just got very desperate, you know, and of course, when you get desperate, um, you go from attracting to chasing and you start pushing things away and it's harder for you. Got it. So when you first started screenwriting, Loved it. Brought you yeah, joy. it was real. It was authentic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a still a writer, right? So I write books now. But uh, so writing has always been there. And that was honest. Uh, but I think I started doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I lost the joy of it. Did you notice? Can you think back to like when you sold your first screenplay? Did it start to already set in then? Like where it would be like, wow, I did it. I sold my screenplay. But then it also starts the 
now I need to do what's next. Like we're so quick, you know, right? Like right, we're putting, right. that, the reason the podcast, my podcast is called Claim It is that I, that's what I feel that we are constantly putting things outside of us. Mm-hmm. Once I lose mm-hmm. the weight, once I meet this person, oh, yeah. once I get this yeah. job, once I pay right. my bills, then right. I'll feel enough successful, worthy, whatever. And so that I'm saying that it's up to us to claim it every single moment of the day. Well, every day, but sometimes we need to do it every single moment of the day because it'll be good. And then, woo start to feel bad so and when, when you say claim it you mean to um uh, uh embrace it absorb it um all of that right that like to claim i am enough right now not once mm, I do oh this, i see once i have this, right right once i sell the yeah. screenplay once i sell the next one once i hit this you know right figure, right then i'll be enough then i'll be lovable that i can claim it for myself right now yeah, that was my mindset. And that's what made me miserable is, uh, you know, and I call that chasing is once I get, you know, whatever that is, the the house, the car, the deal, uh, then I will be happy. Yeah, it's like you sold the one and you think, yeah. yay, I did it. I'm living yeah. my dream. But you, it oftentimes just increases that. Yeah. Oh, no, I need to sell another one. And I need right. to be for more. Or it right. needs to be like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, we're like that with social media. You know, I remember I was like, okay, if I could just get, you know, 10,000 followers, I'll be good. And once I got there, I was like, okay, now I I just need 30. Once I'm, once I'm at 30, I I promise I'll be happy. You know, I could, you know, whatever. And then that'll mean something. Right. And then when I got there, it's okay. I just need a hundred. Once I get a hundred, I'll be, and it's, it's never ending, you know, it's never ending yeah. Oh, yeah. that's why yeah it's like that's why i tried and i get it like by saying claim it it's like it's not just easy like oh claim it i'm worthy i'm enough but like reminding yourself to bring it back to you instead of looking outside of yourself like what does that mean yeah like what does the thirty thousand mean what does the hundred thousand mean? right like, <laughs> right and i don't think it's a logical uh process i think it's a full body process i think um you know claiming something being okay with what you have you know this idea of um uh, it starts with actually dropping into your body you know, and, and letting yourself know that, the that what you have is, is great and good enough and that you're good enough, like all of that stuff. Yeah. And then you can work forward to sell the next screenplay or to like yeah. feel fitter in yeah. your body, or whatever, from the place of like, you're already enough, but you're doing this because you want to, because it brings you joy because you yeah. want to feel better and not because I'm not enough right now. And this will maybe make me feel enough. Yeah. And which is really hard to do in our world. Right. And then I struggle with it today as well. You know, I mean, even, even with this book, it's like, okay, if, if I could just, you know, with pre-orders, if I could sell X amount and I actually hit that. And then now I'm like, okay, well now if I just, and it, you know, it's ongoing. So yeah. um, being aware of it and knowing um, to bring yourself down and to ground yourself. Absolutely. Totally. And I think that that's so important too. And that's what I try to always bring awareness to. And that's why I have these sort of conversations with people. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's easy for people to think like, Oh, well look at him. He's got this book and Oh yeah. Like he's doing great. And he has it all figured out cause he's written these books. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have these, you know, but yeah, right, it's like right. that, that's just part of our human makeup. Right. That's like, yeah. we're constantly like in these cycles, but we can pull ourselves out of them. Like judgments and fears and doubts and all that stuff is natural. And it doesn't mean like, oh, I fucked up because I doubted myself. And then yeah. <laughs> you like get on the and spin it, cycle of putting negative, like, I'm terrible because I doubted myself, because I want more, because I. <laughs> right. It's a daily practice, too, you know? Yes, totally. Okay. Back to the journey. You're on this cycle as a screenwriter, got mm-hmm. married. You said it was like a seven year thing. Like what like snapped you into realizing, like, did you hit a major low or like, where did you sort of get like something needs to change? 
Um, the divorce, uh, you know, she wanted a separation, which then quickly turned into a divorce. And then uh, that changed my life radically. So it wasn't a new chapter. It was a complete act break. Right. So um, I was broke. Uh, you know, I didn't have anything. I, and also when I was married, I didn't really put an effort into making friends and having my own life. So uh, once a divorce happened, I had nothing. Um, quit screenwriting. Um, all I was left with was my own truth, you know. <laughs> which I had to find in, in the rubble. And, uh, uh, and I said to myself, you know, what, what's next for me? What do I, I want to do? And I was talking to my own therapist and I said, I want to do what you're doing. You know, if I can't move people by the masses, I'll, I want to do it one at a time. I love psychology. I want to help people. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? Go back to school. And I was like, oh, I'm not a, I thought you needed to be a doctor. I thought you needed a PhD. And I was like, I know there's no way, you know, I'm a C student. I hate school. And he's like, no, you just need um, a master's. And I already had a BA. So it's only two years of school. Uh, and so the next thing you know, I'm 35 back in a classroom. Um, but this time I loved it because it was only psychology. You know, I didn't have to study uh, geometry or other, other, you know, weird political science and stuff. And so um, got straight A's. Uh, but what he didn't tell me is to be a licensed therapist, you need 3000 hours after you graduate, which is a long time. So it, I took a year off, but it took me like six years. That's like th uh, 3000 hours, like sort of like practice hours. Or yes, like practicum. So uh, that is face to face hours. It's also, you know, written stuff. Um, it's accumulation of, of work. Um, but shit, 3000 hours. If you do the math, it, it takes a long time. Um, you know, some people can knock them out, you know, two, three years. It took me uh, six. And when what, had you been in therapy for a while or did the, the divorce bring you to therapy? Yeah, the divorce brought me to therapy. Uh, we did some couple sessions. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, that's kind of the, the it was my, um, um, you know, uh, my entrance into the uh, self-betterment uh, world through the, the, the shallow end of the pool. Right. And then started to do my own therapy. Um, and then became a therapist, which I guess is now swimming in the deep end. <laughs> and during that time when you decided you wanted to be a therapist and your therapist gave you the nudge, did you go full in again to like back to school or would you ha did you have a job and went on the side? Um, I, so I graduated, uh, got my master's and then to do my hours, I um, went into nonprofit. So uh, working in addiction with uh, uh, teenagers and, you know, it's all the stuff I didn't want to do. I didn't want to work with kids. Um, I wanted to have a private practice. That was my dream. You know, I wanted to be Dr. Drew. I wanted a, uh, you know, a latte in my hand and a uh, uh, wear regal free pants and those silver balls. And, you know, the, the media presents the private practice as uh, just like just sexy and, 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 and amazing. Um, but the universe uh, said, no, we're going to put you in nonprofit. And so I wore khakis and a uniform and I was taking kids grocery shopping, you know, and I was like, this isn't why I got my master's. Um, but it was probably the best work I've ever done, you know, in the trenches, working with kids uh, and realizing that we live in a fatherless nation. So then that ignited a fire in my belly to start having conversations about man, you know, as I was crossing my own great divide from boy to man. And it was actually treatment for me working in residential, although I was helping them, I felt like I was in treatment, you know, so that was a huge part of my life. And what does that mean to you, the living in the nation of fatherless men is that how you um, say I, it? yeah uh, living in a fatherless nation fatherless, uh, yeah, i was about to say fatherless men <laughs> like every yeah <laughs> fatherless for men and women yeah um helping almost a thousand kids in, in five years and realizing that the common thread was dad was either not home 
uh, physically or emotionally uh, not there like every everyone you know and so seeing the byproduct of that so um girls standing too close guys either wanting to be me or fight me um them all coping through uh you know drugs and other ways that were unhealthy um so i was like man this is crazy this is you know everything kind of begins at home you know uh, and also my dad being an alcoholic, not around much, uh, he was functioning uh, and, and I get it. You know, he had to work uh, just for survival, but um, I didn't get a lot of emotional milk. No one taught me how to, you know, a, a swing a bat. I never went camping, you know, all the kind of stuff that dads do. Um, and so I, I, I just kind of started to, well, that's what this book is about. You know, the first book um, about me going through all of that and, and, and redefining myself as a man. And that stuff that you're talking about, your own father, did you doing that work with all those kids, was it, did it sort of like show you things in your own yeah. life? And like yeah, that stuff absolutely. that you hadn't really like thought to even approach? Yeah. Then- I think, I think when you're, um, whether you're a therapist or, or wherever you work, if you're in the, if you're a helper, if you're in the business of helping other people, um, you, you know, uh, you are changed as well. You know, there's that human collision, the exchange where two people take something away from that. Um, and that's natural. That's how we are. And so, um, I, I took away, uh, and also that's when I was going through my rebirth. So I was very raw. The soil was very rich for growth. Um, and so that's, that was a huge um, a blessing. And also kind of my treatment uh, is a takeaway from all of those connections I made with those kids. And once did you then oh, get to open the private practice that you dreamed of? Or what did you do once you got the 3000? Well, the yeah. 3, so then or- it's just so funny how the universe worked. And then so I was heading toward uh, the private practice. And then what happened was um, at the time I had a lot of time on my hands. So I created a blog on Tumblr. Remember Tumblr back in the day? And I, I called I had a blog on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I, um, I called it the angry therapist. I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't think anyone would read it. Um, and at that time when you called yourself the angry therapist, had you even gotten like your certification? No, I was in, I was, uh, yeah, getting my hours. Yeah. I was, okay. I was swimming toward my hours. Uh, and I just started to pull the curtain back and tell people, you know, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I'm, I'm, my heart's broken and I have feelings and I'm also a therapist. And I th- didn't know this at the time, but I think, uh, the people reading it thought it was kind of refreshing that a therapist was showing himself, you know? Um, and I didn't have like a master plan. I was just being me. Um, and so that caught a little bit of traction and and that turned into emails, which turned into sessions. And then here I am now I have a full practice and it was all online. So again, it wasn't what I imagined, right? Going back to like wanting something that you imagine and not being happy until you got that. Um, so I actually had a full practice, but it was all online. Um, and like you, you didn't set out, like, I'm going to set up this amazing private no, practice online. It's just, you started blogging no. and then it attracted attention. Yeah. So then once you had your certification, you're like, oh, I can. Yes. This yes. Way. Yeah. Um, and then, so I've never had an office. Uh, and, and I, I said, you know what, this feels honest to me. Uh, so I started meeting people, um, at the park. I was the guy that would just show up on my motorcycle, um, and at the coffee shop, uh, you know, um, we would do a, a, a lap around the lake. Which is exactly like, 15 I feel minutes. Like that would be a more comforting like place to open up. Like, I feel like I would love that in a session than, yeah, like sitting in an office. Yeah. <laughs> staring, you know, like, okay. try Like, yeah, that feels amazing to me. Like taking a walk with the therapist. <laughs> yeah. That was my finding is that I realized, oh, people actually respond to this. And of course, I'm not for everyone, but um, they actually enjoyed 
their uh, uh, session to be outside. And if we're going to do life, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about life, like let's do life while we're, while we're talking. So um, I brought them into the CrossFit box. Like, and so I called myself a coach because I was doing things you weren't supposed to do. Right. Uh, and you also weren't supposed to be doing this. You weren't supposed to be um, on the webcam. The webcams were outside back then. We plugged them in. Um, people were on AOL and, uh, as a therapist, you could only see people in your state. And I was like, why we have the technology to reach anyone in the world. Um, so, you know, I, I was doing sessions that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Um, so I just called myself a coach because as a coach, you don't have the board breathing down your your neck. Got it. So yeah. someone in a different state than you could book a session and you, you would say it was with a coach and not necessarily I'm seeing my right. therapist because of the right, state. right. Cause that's still, is that still you have to I think be, it still is. Yeah. yeah I'm I not, so. um, uh, I am a licensed therapist, but I, I, I've just been, you know, working in the way that I have. And so it's still a thing. And I don't know how, why they're holding on to that. I mean, it's like, especially now it, you would think that pandemic. after like 2020, they would drop it. So they're yeah. like, yeah, why not? Yeah. If you're already seeing all your patients virtually, why can't they be in another state? <laughs> I think met, the mental health uh, industry needs a uh, reboot or a shakeup. I think it's one of the uh, uh, industries that is just so old school and, and haven't, hasn't had one, you know? Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption because do you know about my daily inspiration app on the Apple and Google Play stores? It's called Own Your Awesome. Hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to empower you, inspire you, get you to think differently about your life and what's happening in your mind right now. Oh, I just opened it and the card I got is the only true judge of me is me. Hmm. Where are you being so worried about what other people think of you? And also, where are you judging yourself and why? I hit the show me a card button again and I got slow progress is more than no progress. Any progress is more than no progress. A little nudge to get any progress going take any baby steps. <laughs> Hundreds of affirmations and thoughts. There's a time or um, a thing you can schedule to have a reminder to go check the app so that you don't forget because we forget to do the things that make us feel good. So whatever time of day feels good for you, set the reminder. There's a journal. It's easy to share in there. Only $3.99, no ads, no payments ever again. Also, check out my shop. I have these new daily connection journals. It's actually daily intention, connection, and reflection journal. They come in two different covers, have set questions to ask yourself every day, easy connection points. Just come to it for a couple minutes every day to reset, to get clear, to state what it is that you want, what you want to feel, what you're grateful for, your wins and joys, and especially to acknowledge yourself. Go check it out. It also has space to journal and these daily questions. Trust me, it works. It supports you, can help you feel aligned, connected to yourself, and have you making steps in your life towards what you want and also hopefully enjoying your freaking life because that's the point. Enjoy your life while you have one. <laughs> All right, so check out my products, shop.yourjoyhouse.com and the app is called Own Your Awesome. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so um, so the angry therapist just like happened accidentally almost. Accidentally, yep. <laughs> as you started yep. a blog. And yeah. Then, then because of that though, did you get like pushback from like, have you had over the years people that are 
other mm. licensed therapist or, you know, being like, you can't do that or that. Sure. Right. Or you, yeah. you can't listen I think to a little bit breaking the rules. I think a little bit, but I think so many therapists um, were and are frustrated that um, they see me hopping the fence and they're like, oh, actually, I want to do that, too, because um, there are a lot. Of, there's a lot of red tape. Um, I, I, I've come across more frustrated therapists than therapists who um, think that that world is perfect. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, I make up anybody that was to be criticizing you, it would likely be coming from the same place that they were right, like exactly. upset. <laughs> like, how dare he right. be successful or getting attention yeah. when yeah. he's not doing things by these rules? Right. <laughs> like, but right. they're like, but I can't break them. <laughs> like, or I can't do them in my own way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've been lucky. I, I haven't had a lot of, um, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, trolls or haters or whatever. Um, of course, I've had, you know, some stuff on social media. Um, but but um, I haven't had anyone, you know, trying to take me down. And maybe I'm just not uh, big enough yet. We'll see. It, it might be a good problem to have. <laughs> and what about as you were building this too, like, how did you, were you able to like keep yourself going just because it felt good to you and you knew you were serving people? Because of course, anybody building any sort of built like business, it is a mm -hmm. business. You're very much mm -hmm. helping people, but you also need to support yourself, right? Yeah, and doing yeah, it. Yeah. So like these like fears or doubts of like, what if this doesn't work? Or am I doing it the right way? Or like, oh, yeah. I think that's what can stop people a lot too, yes. right? It's like they're looking for the right way or the shoulds. I have to do this. And, yeah that so like how did you keep going and how do you still keep I, going to try things out and build a business like be like okay i can coach people right through state lines and i'll just say it's a coach not a <laughs> yeah um i i uh i made a promise to myself early on that um i was going to um live in my solid self meaning i was going to be true to me be authentic and not um, exchange my truth for membership right i wasn't going to be pseudo uh, which i was most of my life especially uh in the, in the screenwriting days where i would have lied i would have sold myself like whatever whatever you whatever you want from me just take it because i wanted you know you make money or sell something um and so if I was to stand, be honest with that promise, that meant if this is the way that works for me, which is, you know, um, writing to the coffee shop and uh, bringing people into the CrossFit box and going on hikes and blogging and showing myself, if that was honest to me, then that's what I'm going to do, even if I lose my license. Um, so that was very important to me. I held on to it with two hands. I also noticed, uh, cause I did try the other way. So I put on a shirt and tie and I was working in high end treatment centers after nonprofit, um, and getting paid very well, but, um, I had to work a certain way. I had to, you know, sign out to use the restroom. I couldn't be creative. I was pulling the generic interventions out of the filing cabinet. And I noticed that I felt like Clark Kent pushing a mail cart. And then when I was on Tumblr and doing stuff online, I felt like Superman, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to that. And so that's, that's what I did. And, and now today, I don't think I'll ever go back to punching a clock. I, I, I can't, you know. I love that. And the trust of like, yeah, because really you had no idea if it would have yeah. worked to like, yeah, no, up, I didn't. a good paying job. You're doing what you got your good degree in and what you yeah. want to do. Are there times that you still like, um, have to then like come back to you know like is it easy for you to remember this what you're doing and why you're doing it you know mm, no it's it's easy to forget you know i think especially when you're um posting on social and getting caught up in that that whole other bubble uh, it's easy to forget and it's great to be reminded 
um, where I came from, what was important to me. Um, and also when you're selling books and stuff, um, you know, it is kind of like the movie business where there's, you know, covers and, and, and junkets and, and all of, all, you know, other people um, where it is a business, right? So um, to be reminding yourself always, you know, what is your truth? Are you exchanging it for something else? You know, approval, validation, something. And so um, to stand on that is hard. Yeah. Do you find that like, do you have you created like things to check in with yourself while you're doing that? Or is it more just mm-hmm. like you feel yourself being pulled out of it and then being like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what it is, is I think that uh, when you've when you've um, gone somewhere and come back and you've changed, um, if you start to pull from the side of you that that used to be that you don't like it kind of feels gross you know it's 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 like when you're if you were in an abusive relationship um when you come out of it a different person and you've done some work on yourself uh you being in another abusive relationship you could smell that very fast right your radar is very sharp and uh what used to attract you starts to repel you so today i just i whenever i feel gross you know, I don't care how much money is on the table or, or what it can lead to, how shiny it is. Um, I definitely have a lot more uh, of a stance or um, the ability to say no, you know, uh, and to not not like sell my soul, if you will. Uh, that's easier today at 47 at where I'm at than when, when I was 27, very desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And far from myself. And so when did the idea for your newest book that just came out, Single mm-hmm. on Purpose, come from? Come, where did that come from? What is that all about? Yeah, that what came from me. Yeah. yeah, it came from my personal story because uh, I had a long stretch of single when I was uh, after my divorce, about four years, um, finding myself in Los Angeles. Um, and I found myself uh, with a motorcycle and barbells and uh, donuts, you know, and I, and I, and I say that because I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, your, your rebirth is uh, sexy and you're in Italy eating pasta and having love affairs and all of that, uh, w- which may be the case for many. That's great. Um, it wasn't my story. I was broke and, and lonely and, um, you know, spent a lot of time alone. Right. So, um, that was, that was my, that was my whole thing. So that was happening. And then I was coaching people, mostly women in their thirties and and above who, uh, thirties and beyond who, uh, tied their singlehood to their worth. So because they weren't in a relationship, they felt less than effective, you know, um, unlovable. And I was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. It's actually society and the shoes that we we place. It's the the programming that we have bought into. You know, it's the happily ever after story that we are internalizing. And so I was like, singlehood has been vilified. You know, if you're single for too long, people ask what's wrong, you know? Um, and it's like when you're divorced, people uh, stamp salvaged on your head. And that's, that's not true. <laughs> and so I said, um, I want to write something where I give singlehood a cape. I want to write something thing where we can empower singlehood and it's it's not single forever right it's, it's single on purpose meaning that when you're single um while you're looking for someone else to invest in that you are finding yourself first right that you are uh, building your relationship with yourself as you look for someone else yeah i mean it's totally such a societal thing like i remember even being a teenager and like wanting guys to like me just so then mm-hmm. i could tell my girlfriends sure that I got yeah. interested in me but like I didn't yeah. like the guy 
right, like right, want to go right. out with them. But like so and so called me last night and he asked me out. But like it felt like that then made me feel like I was mm-hmm. enough. I was a worthy. Right. Like like so much of my life, I can like flash back to these moments of like just needing wanting attention mm-hmm. from the other thing. And and I was someone who was super confident, who did my own thing, super independent. Like you wouldn't like think that I was someone like struggling with my self-worth that way. But it's, yeah, it's like a bin of heart of me. Yeah. Um, and I now see it more, not more, but also with friendships, especially mm-hmm. women, uh, you know, that this like... N- feeling like they're not in healthy relationships and healthy friendships, but yet will not let them go Mm. because of like, then that means more space alone. You know, so I was thinking about your book and I haven't read the book, but just like about it. And it also made me think about that, like the single on purpose, like not needing like to find your worth or what does it mean about me? Because I don't have, you know, a partner Mm -hmm. that way, but also like, why are we holding on to shitty friendships? (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's like we find right. ourselves, and I would find myself too. Like, oh, I have some time. Like, let me call this person, but I always feel terrible after I talk to this person. But mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to fill the time, or like, oh, I want to have weekend plans, so I go out with these people. That afterwards, I feel bad. Yeah, you know, that we get stuck in these cycles where it's just like, what does that mean? Like that it's like wrong to be alone and to just like be with yourself and to make space for what you people you do want, whether it's a certain a romantic relationship or a friendship that like it just feels yeah, so all, easy to fall back into those not great relationships yeah and also um you know i, I think friendships um require more than history so just because you uh went to high school with someone doesn't mean you're gonna be friends with them for life uh, i mean you, you could throw a love at them and all that but um we outgrow our friends you know yeah and uh yeah yeah. And that too, it's like, you can have different levels of friendships. Right. It doesn't mean that right. like, I also think if I like ended a friendship or didn't, uh, not ended, but just didn't keep it at the way that it was, then I was a bad person. Cause like mm. I was saying I was better than them or something, you know, but it's just like, right. Okay. Like these are different friendships. That person I can still see in public and be like, Oh, Hey, it's good to see you. But, uh, they're not the person like I feel I, that I call and they're not the person that's like the one I want to invite to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Relationships expire. Friendships included. Fire and evolve and transform. Yeah. yeah. All of it. So, yeah. So what did you, when you were like figuring this out, when you were in your time where you were like, li- did you have, you had a time like of living of I'm single on purpose. Mm. About four years after divorce. Uh, and, and listen, I didn't say, okay, uh, I'm going to be single. I mean, I was looking for someone. I was lonely. I wanted to, you know, find someone to um, explore and, and uh, you know, have sex with and do all these things. Um, but uh, I realized that um, I needed to be alone and that shouldn't be a priority. If I, if I met someone, great, but I need to... Um, be alone with myself. So, you know, I got this motorcycle because I, 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 uh, I wasn't allowed to when I was married or, and I did, I promised my, my parents, I wouldn't get one. And so the first thing I did was buy a bike. And, um, I rode that thing all over LA, you know, hugging canyons in Malibu and, um, spent a lot of time by myself. Uh, then I found fitness. I found CrossFit was new at the time and we were flipping tires in the alleyways and getting sweaty. I did my first squat at 35 and, um, I found the community. So I found that part of me. Um, and then reconnecting with writing again, you know, so in, instead of, uh, seeing myself as, as a failed screenwriter, um, I now was a blogger 
And that was new at the time. And I found joy there. So it was pure. It wasn't like I was trying to sell something. It was just me being me. And so all of those were connections back to me, you know? Um, and then, and I felt that I was like, Oh, well, this is what I should be doing. If there is an opportunity, if someone comes, you know, down my path and there's a connection, of course, I'm not going to turn that away, but I'm not going to go chase after that, you know? And that's the whole point of being single on purpose. Um, it's not single forever. It's not, um, you know, it's an, it's not an anti-relationship book. It's a pro relationship with yourself. So, um, I feel like the ticking clock isn't, you know, the, the, the kids and, 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 and the baby and the 2.2, uh, whatever the, the picket fence and all that, the ticking clock is you're going to meet someone. And so while you're single, work on yourself as much as you can. So when you do find someone you deserve, um, you're bringing more to the table. You know, you're bringing a, a more of a whole person instead of someone who's seeking something in someone else. Yeah, totally. And then back to like what we mentioned at the beginning, it's like this idea of like, why are you even like, are you like, oh, I need to have be in a relationship because why? Is that going to prove something about yeah. me? Is that going to yeah. prove my worth? Is that going right, to prove right. that I'm valuable or whatever? Or right. like, why am I like, oh, I just, I need plans for Friday night. Like everybody, yeah. or, like my family keeps asking me, when are you going to get married? Or yeah. just like coming back to why. It's also that when you do that, you're actually taking instead of giving, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, um, when you're you are taking, taking instead of giving, yeah, if you're getting into a relationship because you want people to think, uh, if you're getting into a relationship for any reason other than to share a life with someone, um, then you're taking because you're wanting something back in return. So whether it's approval, validation, um, you know, <laughs> something on the scoreboard, uh, your your parents or your friends thinking that you're okay, whatever it is, if you are, you know, if you want something in exchange back for that investment, you're you're taking, you know, so. I love that view on that. Yeah, I I do a, a YouTube series where like I call bullshit. And one of the things I was like, I mm. call bullshit on transactional relationships. But also was saying that like so often people can think and even people that think of themselves as givers that we do mm -hmm. things transactionally. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this because you think you know, you want to, but like, I, because I want them to think I'm a nice person. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. still like, well, are you genuinely doing things because you want to, or because yeah, you're expecting something in return. I love that idea of taking because yeah, we can think like, it's like, if you are putting yourself out there where you're just really like wanting this thing in return, like, oh, I, that will make me feel this way. Perhaps mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. that'll make people think about it, then like, yeah, you're like using that person. Like, yeah, I think it's the difference between kind and nice, you know, um, sometimes nice comes with, uh, wanting something back. Um, to me, kind, kind is pure, kind is, um, giving something without wanting anything back. Love that distinction. Mm. Okay. I'm going to pull up an image. Oh, geez. Okay. I had the wrong button. An image of, I have a product line and mm -hmm. these are phrases that I have on keychains and I have each oh. guest pick, not which one they like the most, but which one mm -hmm. they feel they want in the reminder in their life right now and why. Mm. For myself, right? Yeah. What, what, what's a reminder you need to see on the regular and why? Yeah, these are all great. But I think what lands for me right now is um, I trust the timing of my life. I like that. Uh, why is that one speaking to you? Uh, because I think that um, all, of, all parts of your story will be used. And I think that whatever you're going through, um, sometimes 
uh, you're not meant to get what you're what you want, you know, um, but it will come, it will circle back. And also it will come in a way that you did not imagine. You know, um, a lot of times we meet people that we actually are, you don't think are going to have any impact on our lives and they actually have, end up having the biggest. Right. Or um, we get somewhere and we're like, oh, we know we're here because we feel it, but it looks nothing like we imagined. Right. So this idea of timing, this idea of serendipity, this idea of seeds being planted that will um, blossom later. Um, man, that's powerful. You know, it makes me pull back and accept my story instead of wanting to control it. Yeah, totally. Like for me, it like makes me stop the forcing. Not yeah. This way, yeah. this time with these people. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I trust. Yes, I, tr I trust. <laughs> you still I trust. make those steps moving forward yes. and plant the seeds, but like a surrendering. <laughs> yes, yes. And those are powerful things. Absolutely. Um, what is something you do to raise your joy levels when you're feeling... Um, the whole gas tank in between my legs, uh, the motorcycle is a big one. Um, fitness. Uh, uh, so I have to sweat daily or I don't feel complete. Um, and then also I just had a baby. So, uh, being a dad at 47. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, I, I feel speaking of timing, it, you know, in society's eyes, I'm way too late and, <laughs> and I'm going to be uh, in my sixties when she's in high school, but I'll still be rolling up, um, on my Harley with vans and, uh, crazy white hair. Um, but, uh, being a father is a, a huge joy for me recently. Something that's been grounding me lately. Congratulations. And that, so the single on purpose, were you writing that book and then like getting into a new relationship? Like, are yeah. you in, so that, you're yeah. no longer single. Is that I'm right? no longer single. Got yeah. It. And, uh, and on, on social media, uh, I've, I've got a couple of people DMing me saying that I'm a sellout because I'm single. And I was like, I didn't say single forever. You're Come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sellout because I actually uh, found love. No, it's okay. You would think like, yeah. what? This is what I was saying in the book. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was writing this book uh, and I went on a blind date and uh, that blind date ended up being uh, turned into a relationship. So love it. So as you were writing, you were already in the in the writing of this book. Yes, I was yeah. in the writing and I was also on a path of like, I want to do everything that I wasn't able to do because I've been in long term relationships. I want to, you know, I never had a one night stand. I want to wake up with someone I don't like. I want to have threesomes. I want to do, um, you know, I want to do drugs and have sex. Like it's all the things you you're supposed to do in your 20s. All these things. OK, I'm going to do all yes, these. Sound yes. Fun. Um, I, and I, and I did not get far. It was pretty sad. Like I, I wanted to like go crazy. Um, what do they call it? Stowing your oats or whatever, exploring. Um, and then, you know, um, I got, I didn't get far. I ended up meeting someone and, and then boom, in a relationship again. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. I like to ask everybody this question on how to apply this phrase to your own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So, you know, we can fall mm. into like a habit, a way of being. So can you think of a way to apply that to your own life? What is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is. Oh, yeah, uh, man. The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, my sweet tooth. The first thing that comes to my mind is nutrition. Um, I have a weakness for things like donuts. Um, um, you know, what's best for me is intermittent fasting. What's best for me is, uh, you know, a paleo diet. What's easy for me is uh, bread and donuts and chocolate and all that. So that's a struggle. And that way of eating is because you feel your best and have your energy. And so just like yeah. clear on yeah. that. So like, <laughs> it's like right. not right, everybody right. should do the keto and the intermittent fasting. No, no, not at all. You got to do what works for you. <laughs> right. 
Right. And I, and I don't believe in extremes. So you should have a donut once in a while. You just shouldn't have 12. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Right. Right. Um, awesome. The last thing I ask people is the name of the podcast is Claim It, which I explained earlier. Mm. What are you mm-hmm. claiming for yourself right now? Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, I am claiming, um, you know, I'm, I'm claiming that I'm not a failed writer, you know, some the false belief that I lived with a long time because, uh, I feel like I failed at screenwriting. I am claiming that, uh, uh, I am, I am a writer, but I'm not a failed writer. And I'm claiming that with, uh, with my new book that just came out. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate so much it for opening up and, um, yeah, we'll link to your books and your stuff. And do you still have, do you still have the Tumblr? <laughs> Uh, it's still up there. I don't. I don't really visit it much. Like, but yeah, the Tumblr. I seen Tumblr yeah. forever. I was like, I wonder if it still exists. I'm. I'm waiting for it to come back in style, which I'm sure it will. You know, eventually. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Especially right now, you just never. Yeah. Know. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you for having me and helping me create this dialogue. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. You can find full show notes at your hut dot com slash podcast and find all the episodes there. For more on John, everything is the angry therapist. So the angry therapist.com and he's at the angry therapist uh, everywhere. Instagram, maybe you can find his Tumblr still, Facebook, YouTube. And yeah, go check out his first book and his new book, Single on Purpose. For all things me, I'm yourdryologist.com. You can find me at Your Dryologist on social media. I love hearing from you, that you listened, why you listened, what you got from it. So feel free to DM me, tag me, share the episode. Also, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, If you haven't yet, subscribe and leave a review for the podcast, please. Reviews really help the podcast become more discoverable so more people can be claiming it too. And if you do leave a review, you can screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourdryologist.com and I'll send you a gift for my product line. Maybe a keychain like I have the guest pick or a magnet or a notebook or a notepad or a mug. You just don't know. <laughs> I have a full line of products at shop.yourdryologist.com to empower you, inspire you. And I also have a daily inspiration app in the app store. It's called Own Your Awesome. Hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. So check that out. And for the final thought of the day, let's go with one of the questions I ask. What is easiest for you is not always best for you right now in your life. Where are you falling for what's easiest and what can you choose what's best for you? All right. Thanks again for listening. Come find me at your joyologist.